doesn't think I can deal with a wee lad. Matron repressed a sigh. If you'll just look at the boy now you're here. Guy was led in, glowering, and stood before her. He was six and a half years old and entirely without hope or expectation. His chin lifted to receive the information that he was not acceptable. He waited. His eyes, slantingly set above high cheekbones, were a curious deep green. Mrs. Hodge looked at him and felt frail and tired and more mortal than usual. It was entirely without volition that the words Mrs. Hodge now uttered issued from her mouth. All right, she said. I'll give it a try. She turned to the matron as she spoke, and it was a few moments before she turned back to look at the boy. When she did so, she had to catch her breath. The child was utterly transformed. The mouth, sullen no longer, curved upwards. The clenched fists had unfurled, and every line of his body seemed to express joy and a wholly unexpected grace. Most movingly of all, there had appeared in the strange green eyes a glimmer of the purest blue. It was then that she suspected she did not stand a chance. Guy's aggression now took a different direction. In the orphanage he had fought against the world, now he fought for Martha Hodge. When she explained that kicking, biting and twisting the limbs of children who had fallen foul of her in some way just would not do, he taught himself to box. Applying first aid to the bloodied noses of his victims, Martha wished she'd held her tongue. School provided scant relief, for Guy still seemed to have enough energy left for hours of mayhem before she got him into bed. Nevertheless, it was from this small red brick building that deliverance came. Two years after Guy had come to her, Martha was sent for by the headmaster, and informed that her foster child had a remarkable capacity for learning, and could win a scholarship to grammar school. When he got his scholarship, Guy went to the Royal Grammar School. His passion was for science, but he had an ear for languages, and the kind of maths and music brain that gives tensile strength to this type of high intelligence. The scholarship to Cambridge was a surprise to no one. He went to Trinity for natural sciences. Guy's eyes, during those years at Cambridge, were seldom without the glint of blue which signalled the well-being of his soul, as he came into his own in scholarship, in sport and friendship. He got a first and went to the University of Vienna in 1911. Martha Hodge never knew what happened during that year, from which he returned green-eyed and taciturn, with the information that he was no longer interested in academic life and had thrown up his studies. That he had been deeply hurt was obvious, that it was by a woman she did not find it difficult to guess. Wisely she held her tongue, and received, with her usual quiet attention, the information that nothing mattered except to be extremely rich. The first million, they say, is the hardest. Guy made his, by selling to the House of Rothschild, a scheme for the forward purchase of options on cargo shipping rights, which provided an opportunity to corner the charter market. Extorting his reward, Guy left for South America, where he spent three months exploring the mineral-rich Menosurus. Within a year, he'd extracted an option on the mining rights of the Oro Preto range from the Brazilian government, offering in exchange foreign investment and the building of roads and schools for the Indians. It was 1916 before he returned to England. He joined the Northumberland Yeomanry, 
fighting with a detached ferocity directed not at the enemy, but at the blundering fools who had made the war. A year later, he was invalided out with a shattered leg and set about forming his own investment company. By now he had an international reputation and offices in a dozen capitals, but Martha Hodge, as he returned at intervals to install first running water, then electricity, then a bathroom into the house she resolutely refused to leave, continued to be troubled by the colour of his eyes. Then, in the spring of 1922, he returned to Vienna. Guy returned to a city impoverished by defeat, in the grip of inflation, but still beautiful. He took a suite at Sacker's, presented himself at the treasury, and plunged into the work which had brought him to Vienna. Austria was seeking a huge loan from the League of Nations, seeing in this her only chance to stabilise her...